It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help people protect their families and real estate with their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances and to enforce the voters' decisions to ban cannabis billboards on Highway 101. I've been honored to serve as elected Port San Luis Harbor Commissioner and repeatedly served as Superior Court Special Master. At Slow County Public Policy and the Law, we talk with office holders, lawyers, and activists shaping public policies that affect you. Last week, I spoke with Eric Gorham about county spending, and he made a little news dropping out of the 5th District Board of Supervisors race on the air. I also got to talk with Slow County's Republican Party chairman, Randall Jordan, about local Republican Party structure, operations, and vision. He outlined different ways young people of every age could get involved. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. This hour, we are privileged to be speaking with your congressman, Salud Carbajal, at Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Mr. Carbajal represents the people living in California's 24th Congressional District, which includes Santa Margarita, San Luis Obispo, all of Santa Barbara County, and coastal parts of Ventura County, including the city of Ventura, I believe. Isn't that right, Congressman? That is correct, including the city of Ojai. Ah, yes. Okay. Congressman Carbajal has been serving since he was elected in 2016. You're in your fourth term, I believe, as a representative now, aren't you, Congressman? Yes, this is my fourth term, my seventh year. And you're a member of the Armed Services Committee, the Agriculture Committee, and I believe you're the ranking member, which means you're the top Democrat, on the Infrastructure Committee. Is that right? I'm on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Transportation. And I'm the ranking member on the Coast Guard and Maritime Subcommittee. Ah, okay. Which I should know as a former Harbor Commissioner. (laughs) Well, welcome. I appreciate you coming on to talk to uh, our listeners. Um, Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate the invitation to do so. I I think a lot of our listeners may not uh, know you as well as uh, they would like. Can you talk a little bit about your background, where you're from? Sure, sure. I'll give you the quick uh, two-minute bio. My father was part of the Bracero guest worker program uh, to this country in the 50s and the 60s. And when that program ended in the 60s, he immigrated all our family from Mexico to the United States. Uh Uh-huh. His brothers got him a job working as an underground copper miner until the end of my sixth grade elementary school year in Arizona. Wow. And when at the end of my sixth grade elementary school year, the mine closed where he worked. So he moved us to Oxnard, California, where uh, he then went back to work, working in the fields as a farm worker. 
And I happened to do well in school with the pushing of my parents and good teachers and counselors. Got accepted to the schools I applied to and ended up going to UCSB for my undergraduate. Uh, during which time I joined the United States Marine Corps Reserve, met my wife on a blind date, <laughs> uh, got married, uh, have two wonderful kids, a daughter and a son, and later on in life I got my master's in organizational management from the Fielding University. But my early years after UCSB, I was working in the health and the human service sector and for county public health. And then I met this wonderful woman who became a county supervisor, and she hired me to be her chief of staff at the young age of 27. Served as her chief of staff for 12 years, and then when she retired, she encouraged me to run. I ran and won uh, three consecutive terms for a total of 12 years, and worked with my colleagues, both Republicans and Democrats, to find common ground and govern here in Santa Barbara County. And after, after which uh, I served 12 years, uh, Congresswoman Lois Capps retired, and I was encouraged by many to run, and I uh, gave it consideration, ran for Congress, and am very privileged and honored to now be the representative and the congressman for the 24th Congressional District. In conclusion, let me just say that the woman who uh, was my boss and encouraged me to run for public office for the first time, her name was Supervisor Naomi Schwartz. Uh And I give a lot of credit to her because if she would not have given me that opportunity to be her chief and to learn more about public policy and the inner workings of elected office and county government, I probably would not be where I'm at today. Well, and that gave you a good basis for uh, the importance of helping people uh, in those offices. Uh, Absolutely. Which, uh, you know, I think a a lot of people run for office just thinking, well, I'm going to get that status, and they've never been in a a position where they had to uh, be a liaison between the elected official and the people who needed them. So that's that's good experience for you. Um, I... uh, I noticed in your biography that you're the vice chairman of the New Democratic Coalition. Um, what, what is that? Well, as you know, Republicans and Democrats in Congress uh, are part of many caucuses. Yeah. And there's some that are main caucuses that both groups uh, are comprised of. In the Democratic caucus, you have two or three major groups. One is the New Dem caucus, which you mentioned I am a member of, Mm -hmm. and one of four elected vice chairs of that group. You also have a couple of other caucuses that uh, Democrats belong to. Uh, The one that I belong to is uh, one that we consider ourselves, uh, one focused on governing, one focused on being pragmatic, and working uh, across the aisle and with anyone who's willing to find common ground to govern and to move forward uh, legislation that improves the lives of Americans uh, and people here on the Central Coast. And that's why I'm part of that specific caucus. Uh Uh, There's other caucuses who have uh, slightly different ideologies, and they uh, have their own guiding principles. But at the end of the day, I work with anyone and everyone that is willing to work with me. New Dems is made up of 100 members 
of the Democratic caucus. And as you know, it only takes 218 to make a majority. So 100 is pretty much half of an entire caucus on the Democratic side. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very proud to be part of that. When you think about some of the uh, recent legislation that got through, at least before the change in the majority, what are the ones you're most proud of with the new Democratic coalition? Well, I will tell you, the new Democratic coalition played a major role in moving most, if not all, of the major legislation that moved forward in the last Congress. The first, the bipartisan infrastructure law, which provided a huge amount of resources to our nation to be able to modernize our infrastructure and to provide uh, enhanced opportunities for the Internet, broadband, uh, waterworks, roads, uh, water projects, uh, bridges. That was a major piece of legislation. Another one is the Chips and Science Act. During the pandemic, we became aware that we, the United States, was very vulnerable because we were depending on other countries to produce uh, semiconductor chips and other technology that everything in our lives depended on. Cell phones, dishers, dishwashers, uh, washing machines, computers, our weapon systems in our military. And so we decided we needed to onshore that technology and train a whole new cadre of STEM, science-based trained individuals and provide job training uh, in the high-tech sector. And that is something we ended up doing. The other one is the Inflation Reduction Act, which does two major things. Provides a host and array of incentives and tax credits uh, in our country so that we could create an, an more renewable energy and solar, wind, to create a, a better grid system, to enhance our electrification of our different stations so that we could incentivize the purchase of more electric vehicles, allow um, American families to transition many of their old appliances to new appliances so that they could get tax credits and it would cost them a lot less to transition to new technology for their homes and to save money along the way and to get a huge tax credit. Uh, The Inflation Reduction Act is a game changer to addressing climate change. And also, let's not forget what it also did. Surprisingly, people are not aware that it provided Uh, the United States government to finally give Medicare the ability to negotiate lower prescription drug costs with big pharma and big pharmaceutical companies, and also to provide, to cap medication costs for many of our seniors. So that, for example, people that are diabetics, they don't have to pay more than $30, $35 a month for their insulin instead of $500 to $1,000. We now uh, will ensure that senior citizens on Medicare don't have to pay more than $2,000 a year for certain medications. This is a huge windfall for modernizing and reforming our prescription drug costs for our seniors. Anyways, we also have the PACT Act that provided for the first time in three decades the biggest increase in benefit for our veterans who've been exposed to toxic environments. This is a big deal. So 
Those are just a few. Bipartisan yes. Infrastructure Law, Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, and the PACT Act. Well, thank you, Congressman, folks. You're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and we're having a discussion with Congressman Carbajal. Um, Congressman, I, I saw a recent article that indicated that there was $500 million from the uh, in Bipartisan Infrastructure Act coming to the Central Coast. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what that is? Absolutely. Well, as you might be aware, uh, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law uh, provided over a trillion dollars for infrastructure modernization for our entire country. And in the Central Coast alone, in our area, we've already received over $500 million to enhance waterworks, wastewater uh, treatment plant uh, enhancements, roads, bridges, to be able to help airports, public transportation, uh, public uh, transit buses, you name it. We've been able to invest significantly with millions of dollars to help our local airports, our roads infrastructure, our bridges, our buses, and uh, for clean water projects like in Morro Bay and Pismo, the slow regional transit uh, was able to purchase new zero emission buses uh, we were able to do that also in Santa Maria. And we provided, by now, over $4.5 million for the slow airport. That's in addition to the millions of dollars they got from the American Rescue Plan. Well, and as a former Harbor Commissioner, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I know there was $17 billion passed for port infrastructure. Yes. Has any of that gone to Port San Luis or to Morro Bay or Vandenberg? Funding for upkeep at both Port San Luis and the Morro Bay uh, have also been allocated significant amounts of money. When you're working on the infrastructure committee, um, you're not the ranking member there. You're the ranking member of the Coast Guard uh, committee, as I recall. Uh, Yes. But the infrastructure committee is really important. How, How does it work best and where has it faltered in your view? I think where it worked best is that it, it is, you know, the three committees I belong to, including transportation and infrastructure, are three of the most bipartisan committees in Congress. So where it works best is where we are able to find common ground. And we're able to work through our differences, oftentimes uh, putting ideological differences aside and, and being practical and pragmatic. Every once in a while, we falter because we get caught up on fighting or, or not doing what we're supposed to be doing because folks will get caught up on silly skirmishes. Let me give you an example. Sure. I sit on the House Armed Services Committee, and this year, for the first time in 62 years, we, we have not been able to move forward the national, the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act. Why? Because the extremists in, my, uh, in the governing party have decided that this year we were going to insert the ideological fights that we are always able to put aside. But this year they did not want to put those aside. They wanted these to fight. Were the, these were the fights over abortion? Abortion, uh, rights for the LGBTQ uh, members of our country, uh-huh. uh, providing abortion uh, support for service members, our veterans that are women, uh, fighting on diversity and inclusion issues. 
things that we are able, always able to say, look, we might not see eye to eye, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to leave that out. We're just going to focus on our national security. And this year, for the first time, the extremists, uh, the provision, provision that put politics over our national security. And certainly that threatens our military cohesion and our readiness. And it hurts our ability to recruit the next generation of service members. It is really unfortunate that the extreme of the extreme have really hijacked uh, this very important piece of national security legislation that a reminder has passed in a bipartisan way for 62 years. And as a member of the House Armed Services Committee, as a Marine, I am appalled and uh, just taken aback that we have not, we, uh, have not been able to move forward the NDAA. Well, and I guess there's uh, not a commander of the entire Marine Corps at this point because of uh, uh, Senator Tommy Tub- Tuberville. Have you, have yeah. you been able to uh, uh, do anything about that or at least well, uh, put I, some pressure on? I've been speaking out about this because for the first time in 60 years, we have a precedent where, um, you know, we haven't moved forward the NDAA uh, as it relates to uh, Mr. Senator Tuberville's hold, we have not been able to confirm over 301 senior military officers because he is putting a hold uh, on these for political ideological reasons. Uh, he is really undermining our, our uh, readiness and putting our nation at risk. Uh, and it turns out many of his military stories that he's mentioned have now come to light about his family's military service are now in question, because it seems that a good number of them have been distorted uh, and, and, or, and or lied about. Oh, well, that, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, we all uh, have come to see folks in politics aren't always truthful. And, uh, and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I think that's a bad example to give to uh, the younger folks coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the one thing that uh, the Armed Services Committee may be able to uh, unite on, I don't know, is policy on Ukraine. Has there been uh, has there been more unity on that particular issue? Yes, I think for the most part there has been unity, but recent in recent uh, months, uh, some of the extreme folks that are uh, also. Uh, having their way with the National Defense Authorization Act in in the Republican conference, my colleagues on the other side, are starting an effort to really question and reconsider our continued support for Ukraine. The president has stipulated that he will be asking Congress for another supplemental to support Ukraine, Uh, $20 billion more from Congress. And It'll be interesting how many of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle support this. We think we have enough Republicans uh, from the other side of the aisle that would support this if it's put on the floor. On the floor. But how overwhelming will be interesting. And, uh, but for the most part, uh, we have been able to find bipartisan support 
to support Ukraine uh, with military assistance, humanitarian assistance, economic assistance. You should know that I have been to Kiev, Ukraine twice. One a few months right before the war and one last December. And during the war, I was able to go to Kiev and meet firsthand with our embassy people, uh, officials from the Kiev military and other officials, and just to really hear from them on a number of issues. Their will and determination to keep fighting was impressive. Their uh, approach to making sure that there is transparency and accountability of the weapons we are providing them uh, to create the accountability to give us the trust and confidence that they are committed to making sure that our dollars are spent wisely and in the most judicious fashion. And so I came back with many of my colleagues, bipartisan um, delegation that went, uh, with really positive um, uh, feelings that they are doing their best, they're committed, and they're doing what they need to be doing to give the American people confidence that our investments are being used wisely to thwart this unprovoked, uh, unlawful war that uh, Putin and Russia have been waging against Ukraine. And one of the things I'd like to wrap back to the armed services authorization and budget that I, I wanted to know uh, for our listeners, um, that's got to go to conference committee now once. Yes. Because, because the Senate has not adopted all of those uh, uh, conditions that were a poison pill in the, in the one that passed out of the House. Actually, you're absolutely right. So the House passed a bill on a purely partisan basis. I'm not sure that we had one. Uh, we, we had a few, like seven or eight Democrats who voted on that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was a partisan bill. And it is the Senate just passed theirs, and it did not have any of the poison pills that the House included in the NDAA that passed. Now it's going to conference, and can, it is can very you, likely... Congressman, can you tell the our listeners how the conference committees work? Um, but I'm getting, I'm getting a hard break uh, signal from JC uh, sure. here, so let's talk about that on the other side of this news break. Great. Let's go to your news break, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Thank you, Congressman. 